Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And I'm Touré. And just like Barack Obama, I was born in America and I'm not Muslim. Ugh, but sadly, you're not the president. Danielle, the effort to unseat the racist-in-chief has been joined. Let's welcome former Illinois Congressman (laughs) Joe Walsh, who served one whole term in the House as part of the Tea Party wave of 2010. Let's look at the tale of the tape. Trump was a birther. Walsh was a birther. Trump said Obama is a Muslim. Walsh said Obama is a Muslim. Trump is a blithering racist. And so is Joe Walsh. Not a lot of breathing room between those two, is there? No. No. But I think that I really respect the campaign strategy of pot and kettle that (laughs) Joe Walsh is doing right now. I think that's fantastic. It's like, I said those things too, but I did that in February 2018. So much time has passed. So much time has passed. America should understand my rebirth. Look, if the best the GOP can do is give us a racist, idiotic alternative to a racist idiot, then we know the party is deeply troubled and needing uh, white victimhood to survive. And this represents to me in part the complicity of the GOP throughout this period Mm -hmm. where Trump Mm -hmm. and Steve King and others say racist things and nobody in the GOP says, hey, That's not who we are. That's not who we want to be. That's not who we have to be to win. And maybe they say it privately, but their silence is deafening. And the fact that the only person who's stepping up is somebody who seems very much in the mold of Trump. Is there no moderate or rational or reasonable wing of the Republican Party anymore? They don't have the backbone, Torre. They don't have the backbone. They don't have the passion. They don't have the direction. Who are they afraid to stand up to they're if they afraid lack the to, backbone? I, I honestly believe that they're afraid to stand up to Trump. I think they're afraid to stand up to the donors. There needs to be somebody who is willing to shout and say enough is enough. Now, the only reason why Joe Walsh even makes sense in this equation is because he's a media personnel. Mm-hmm. He was a he's a failed congressman. You know, he's in Congress for what? Two one, years, one, one term. term. Right. He's booted out and he goes where all great, awful Republicans go. Either reality TV, a competition, competition dance show or on the radio. So, of course, he's you know, he's the perfect person. It's like, look at me. Look at me. You know, there's a, a bunch of times you see people 
tweet things like the writers are getting bored, right? Like the Trump story seems so cliche and ridiculous. And like if it was a bad political novel, he would be primaried by somebody who is a conservative radio host, which is the thing that births the beginning of Trumpism. Correct. Conservative radio creates this belligerent, racist attack Mm -hmm. sort of politics that Trump has swallowed whole and spits back. And so now we have an actual conservative radio host to fight against him. The only thing better would be is if like Rush Limbaugh Oh my God, you're literally inside of my head. (laughs) I was going to say, the only thing better is either Rush Limbaugh or the scariest of the scary people, Steve Bannon, deciding Mm. that he too is going to run. And because he's actually smarter than Donald Trump, he has a 30 and 40 year plan for white supremacy globally, Mm. not just in the United States, that you have a Rush Limbaugh, a Steve Bannon, uh, Joe Walsh. That's who can who can out Trump Trump. I mean, is there no more color to the GOP? I thought the only color they like is white. That is true. I meant that more metaphorically, but oh, I, we're okay, totally sorry. totally on the same page. I was there literally. But is it? I mean, is there not? I mean, who's the uh, John Kasich? Where is he? Where is the the who Mitt Romney told us he was as a reasonable, rational Republican? Where is that person? Right. Like, why is there nobody from the reasonable, rational wing? If it at all exists, maybe it does not exist anymore. I don't think that it exists. Mitt Romney doesn't have any backing. And frankly, when I watched his documentary, I started to feel bad for him because he didn't want to run for president the first goddamn time. So he sure as hell is not going to take up the mantle now when the party actually needs a real, true leader. Why are there no never Trumpers? Right. Right. That have a political backing that are multimillionaires that could literally corral the donors and say, look, this guy is driving the economy off of a cliff and we need to do something about it. The thing is, is that I believe that all Republicans actually are ideologically aligned with Donald Trump. We're the ones that think that he's outrageous. They're the ones that I think feel like, you know, a woman at the end of the day when we get to take our bras off and you stop feeling so wrapped up. That's what Trump has done. He is liberating their crazy. Mm. He is the liberator of white supremacy. He is the liberator of their xenophobia, their misogyny. They hate women. We know Republicans have hated women, but now they get to act on all of these things. So where we thought, much like Joe Biden still is in that space, where we thought that there were an awful good amount of Republicans, they don't exist. They never have. Hmm. I got to be honest. All this talk among the GOP about the country and the flag and the eagle, Mm -hmm. right? And they Mm -hmm. wrap themselves in all this Americana. And yet we have seen consistently over the past several years, and even before Trump, into the opposition to Obama, the obstruction of everything Obama wanted to do, grinding the country to a halt, ruining the political system, that the GOP consistently puts party ahead of country. Mm -hmm. And when they are so patriotic, and yet they can never see larger than what will be good for the party, surely they cannot think that what happened with uh, Gorsuch and... Kavanaugh? Not, no, before Kavanaugh. The, the, oh, the seat that was stolen. Garland. From Garland and Gorsuch. Surely that cannot be good for the but country. Why, but, but why? 
But why isn't it good for the country that they are, in fact, designing in their own image? You have Mitch McConnell, who stole Merrick Garland's Supreme Court seat, Mm -hmm. who has changed the judiciary map one conservative right-wing judge at a time, which means that when we have cases of the six-week heart bill that come up, that these judges have already decided. These these cases are already done. We know that now when things float up to the Supreme Court, we already know which way that it's going. So they are literally getting everything that they want. They want a ban on abortion, right? They want to roll back affirmative action of any kind. They want bans on certain groups of people from entering the country. They don't want LGBTQ people to be able to feel safe in in schools, in the workplace. You can now, the Trump administration decided what, last week or the week before, it's okay for a trans person to be fired from Mm, their job. mm. You can cite religious liberty. So there are all of these things that incrementally Republicans have been working on for decades, but now they can rip the Band-Aid off. They don't have to pretend that it's a religious issue. They can just say, we don't like you. You are a threat to America. And that's all around Trump. All of that plus Citizens United. Correct. And creating structures for business and Mm -hmm. the wealthy and the elite to control politics, which quite often redounds to the personal benefit of those who are in elected office. The Koch brothers, one of which just died (sighs) last week, right? So now we're going to create this kind of false legacy of one of the Koch brothers who together... They single-handedly ruined many aspects of this country. They made businesses dirtier. They made ability to pollute. They're the number one climate deniers in the country, have not just fought against the legislation, but have fought to create, create the information that the climate denial community relies on. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was extraordinarily upset to see Tim Ferriss, who used to do great interviews, Mm -hmm. interview Charles Koch for almost two hours and never truly deal with, you are a serious climate denier, let's talk about that. And at one point, he outsources that to a listener question, which is, do you spread propaganda about climate? Now, who in the world would say, yes, I spread spread propaganda. propaganda? That's not how you ask that question. That's a super softball on an incredibly important issue. And he completely treats him like this this, this philosophical uh, grandpa who like, wow, you're so nice and cuddly. And like, let's talk about how you became so wealthy. Make me me sick. So I, I think here the question that we have is why aren't there any who we believe to be normal Republicans that have had enough and want to stand up to Trump. Why is it the Joe Walsh's of the world? Like, how did we get here? Because I don't think that there are any normal, right, moderate, intellectually astute Republicans that are left. Let's just talk about why are they okay with racism in their party? Why don't they stand up and say, hey, guys, we don't need to talk like that. We don't need to do that. We don't need to offend half of the country in order to make our point. But don't they? Because they're not trying to 
They're not trying to widen their tent. Let's understand that Republicans don't go after votes unless they are stuffing them in a wastebasket <laughs> in the way that Brian Kemp did in Georgia. Mm. They are not going after your vote. They are not creating policies that the majority of Americans want to get behind. Name the last Republican policy that came out that was that was actually about making America, quote unquote, great. Did they come up with any plan when we were bleeding jobs and Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi were trying their best to get a, a, a bill on the floor, a stimulus package, right, to do anything? They voted against that shit, yeah. right? Yeah. So there is nothing that Republicans are offering the public. What they are is restrictive, Right. They are taking away. So they want to narrow the electorate. They want to make sure that only a certain amount of people, if we're still giving government aid, only a certain group of white people will get that. Right. And then everybody else can fend for themselves. So it's it's just not the ideology is not really about more. It's about restriction, how few people can vote. Right. And then they'll vote for us because they're old and they're white and we'll sell them. We'll sell them this this lie. But the lie that they believe that white people are inherently better. Let's be clear. Right? That's what they believe. Absolutely. Let's be clear. Voter suppression is a GOP issue. It is not something that in the current uh, political history, it is not something that both sides do. Nope. It is something that the GOP does in multiple ways from closing polling places to closing them early to rejecting registrations mm -hmm. as Brian Kemp did yep. to voter ID, which judges have said is meant to surgically remove black people from the rolls. Mm -hmm. This is a current GOP, not both sides, GOP policy as a way of shrinking the electorate and shrinking the power of cities and states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, which are generally powered by the vote from big cities. There's been a big debate on Twitter the last week about the Electoral College. And mm -hmm. this has been a place mm -hmm. where a lot of right and left have found clash. And, you know, quite and the, the right is always so concerned with, oh, my God, we can't have the small states tyrannized by the big states. There's one political and I think it was an elected official said we can't have the 51 per, the 49 percent run by the 51 percent. Well, 80% of America lives, lives in, in cities. cities. So we have the 20% dominating the 80%. Yeah. And one of the major reasons why we can't deal with our gun crisis is because the small states have so much power. Right. Um, the Electoral College for the right ultimately comes down to we can't let the blacks and browns run the country. Because that's, that's what would happen. Black and brown people's power would rise and the power of rural Americans would shrink. And God forbid the states that where most of the people live and where most of the economy is driven and where most of the money that takes care of the people in the poorer, sparser, more rural states where they get their money. God forbid we let them run the country and get the things that they need for their lives like health care and freedom from mass shootings. God forbid we do that. God, when you put it like that, Torre, I hate the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like I, 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 I wrap my mind around the fact that Iowa gets to decide, gets to be the first decider in our election process. Mm. How does that make any goddamn sense? It just doesn't. Everything that you just laid out. Why are the people of Iowa, which is the least 
one of the least diverse places, right, deciding for the rest of us. And then we go to New Hampshire. Like, literally, we go small state after small state after small white state to decide our election? I went to Iowa a couple of times for college speeches, and I'd I'd do that thing where I'd be like, you know, sitting with a bunch of students, why does Iowa get to go first? And people in Iowa get very offended when you question why they get to go first. Do they have an answer? They do have an answer in that they are structurally and intellectually set up for we are first. So, like, the organization to deal with it is already there. They take it extraordinarily seriously. They have a deep sense of responsibility about your your face is shutting down my argument as I'm making it. And because I'm not I'm saying sorry, I agree with I'm their sorry, argument. I'm sorry, dear listeners, that you cannot see my face, <laughs> which is a pretty much the facial expression of... Oh, com- please. Miss me with that bullshit. <laughs> That's what, that is exactly the face that I'm making. I, I mean, it would be super valuable and small d democratic to have it move around and let it, uh, a correct. Texas, a New York... God forbid. God forbid. Be first or second or third. Change it up. I I mean, you know, Iowa believes very strongly why, and they have their argument. And I laid it out, and your (laughs) eyebrows shut it down. (laughs) I couldn't even finish making it because the way you were looking at me. They have their argument, but we disagree. And I would love to, you know, and I don't care if it ends up that Montana and Wyoming get their shot to do it first. Why not move it around? Why not move it around? What a novel idea. I don't think I have ever, as a New Yorker, 25, 30 years in New York, I have never cast a meaningful general election presidential vote. No. And I don't expect I ever will. No, I'm not leaving New York. Right. (laughs) No, no, definitely not leaving New York. But but no, I, I, I just, I think the idea of moving it around, I think that everything that you laid out is exactly why the electoral college just the whole of it is is bullshit and it's mm. not set up for all people it is set up for a certain group of people to have their say and hold their power and that's why we're in the place that we're in politically is because Donald Trump was able to run on a message of i will make america great again because all of these blacks and browns and these and these women with opinions and so jobs oh. are 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 Out like are ruining this country for you god-fearing white men who now have no home. Let's talk about cuz we don't think Joe Walsh is going to knock off Trump. No. And even if he did same same devil new clothes. Mhm. What do you fear? From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. 
Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm afraid to even open the door and look yeah, inside. But like, what do you fear most in a Trump reelection? He gets four more years. What are you afraid of most? I that that. Wow. There are a range of flashes of image that just came into my mind. What am I afraid of most? I'm probably afraid of people that I know, including myself, being carted off into Trump's concentration camps. Mm. I think that what is to stop this president if he is reelected? And we know that he was six, seven children have died under his watch. We know that multiple, you know, as much as over 20 adults have died in his watch in these concentration camps. He has made an enemy of the press. What is to say that he doesn't begin to systematically shut down all of what we perceive mm. to be our freedoms, right? Freedom of speech that now all of a sudden he has started to fine particular networks, journalists. Right. Yeah. Just dig up some stuff. Make up things. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not they're not an administration. They're doing that awful research that. on journalists and spreading information right. to discredit them, to embarrass them, humiliate them, silence right. them. So that you take away all of their credibility. So, you know, what does another four years mean? It, it, it means a lot of devastation for a lot of people who are black, who are brown, who are queer, who are women. Everybody who is not a conservative, white, cisgender you know, man is going to be in a lot of friggin' trouble. I'm afraid of what the composition of the Supreme Court will be after four years. Well, let's just say that God bless her soul. She's 85 Ruth years Bader old. Bader Ginsburg is, you know, in remission again. But like we already the Supreme Court is already the conservative court. We lose her. Trump gets to. I mean, the the country is done. We are lost. And Stephen Breyer's eighty one, right? He seems to be in good health. And so but now he's eighty one. At eighty one, you could drop dead at any day, any moment, and it wouldn't be a shock. And God forbid Trump was able to replace the two of them. We have a conservative court for the rest of our lives, and that is uh, a woman's right to choose. Forget mm-hmm. about it. Civil rights protections, mm-hmm. forget about same it. Same-sex marriage, same, gone. Same-sex marriage, gone. Citizens United. Expanded upon. Yeah. I mean, the Trumpification of America goes into overdrive and exists long after he's gone. Public education, Brown versus the Board of Education, gone. You're Dred talking, Scott, Dred gone. Scott, gone. Like, seriously, you're talking about things that we think could never be touched, could never be unwound, Right. He will do that. They will do that. That has always been the plan. Steve Bannon believed that in order to re to redo America, you had to burn it down. You had to burn down all of the agencies. You had to burn down the idea of democracy and credibility and hope. 
You literally had to burn it. And so that's what they would do. That's that's the continuation. We don't stop Trump and Trumpism now. We have a five to four conservative leaning court right now. Mm -hmm. There's no real middle. Some will say maybe Alito sometimes, but I haven't been seeing him go back and forth anymore. If we had a six to three or God forbid a seven to two court, America may stop looking like a country that we recognize. And it already does not look like a country I recognize Mm -hmm. now. And I'm fully aware of the racist roots and the racist history and all. But I'm like, this does not look like the country that I lived in 10 years ago. And in 10 years, it could look entirely different. Wow, that was the most devastating thing, Torre. Just (laughs) that imagery, that idea, just like beyond the dark ages it goes. Yeah. Beyond Beyond the dark ages. And I don't know how long it took the world to come back from that. I don't know. If we come back from it, I mean, you think about the global impact in terms of the way the rest of the world sees America, the way we deal with the climate crisis over the next four years, God forbid, the foreign policy. I mean, like, you know, when I wrote my list of like, what am I most afraid of? The fourth thing is just X, because who Who knows knows what Trump will say or do that will have a devastating effect on our relationship with China or France or Brazil or like, you know, maybe he breaks up with Russia and then like, who knows? I mean, we have no idea what happens. So (laughs) I need a drink. We had some. Let's, since we're covering the election, mm-hmm. we had some deaths, figurative deaths, symbolic oh, yeah. deaths in the family. Uh-huh. Some people have, who, are no, who are no longer with us. No longer with us. But we want to give them, you know, their just due. <laughs> Should we do like an in memoriam? Say sort a of few thing? words <laughs> on behalf of those whose campaigns well, I, bit the dust. I, I, I would say a few words if I knew anything <laughs> more about them beside their names. Um, Governor Jay Inslee Uh from a state far away from here. I believe it was Washington. Correct. Not sure. Yes. Um, Governor John Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper? Yeah. Not Loomer. Looper. Yes. From uh, Hickenlooper. Was that a movie in the 80s? No, just Looper. Oh, Looper. Looper. (laughs) But good one. Hickenlooper would be like if they. (laughs) Well, that movie crashed and burned kind of like his campaign. campaign. Oh, no. And then um, somebody who. We actually had a debate. Was he actually running Seth Moulton? I, I believe so. I don't But recall. I actually never uttered his name. <laughs> not like, not one, not one good time. I'm not sure I could pick him out of a lineup. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. No. So these three people and Eric Swalwell fell who fell out a long time ago did not get as far as Marianne Williamson. Let that sink in. Wow. Wow. Hey. <laughs> the sage and you know, scrubbing. We do need a smudging of America. A smudging of America. That is that is it. She she's really maybe she maybe she's doing it. Smudge America great again. I <laughs> I get behind it. At this point, I'll get behind anyone. But there is apparently some life at the top of the race, Mm -hmm. I think, partly because of our episode explaining (laughs) why Biden is wrong for America and for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party. And so now... We have a Monmouth poll, mm-hmm. which so, shows an entirely different race than we've seen this p- the past several months. So Monmouth University, Touré, has us with a three-way lead as Democrats, our picture of 2020 begins to shift. So this is what Monmouth poll has right now. The poll finds a virtual three-way tie. Sanders at 20 percent, mm, Warren at 20 percent. Joe Biden at 19%. But let me tell you why this is so shocking. Monmouth's poll back in June, just two months ago, the results show this, that Sanders is up 14%. From two months ago. From two months ago. Elizabeth Warren is up 15% from two months ago. Joe Biden down from 32%. Wow. So he is down wow. from 32% to now 19. Wow. Wow. That is a nosedive. He has come back to earth. A lot of people seeing he's not the guy. And when you have people leaving the moderate choice and going to a truly progressive choice like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, that's an interesting shift. Because I wasn't sure mm-hmm. we were going to see moderates leaving Biden for a true progressive. And people leaving the guy. I mean, I'm so sick of this argument that Biden is most likely to beat Trump. It's a completely bankrupt argument. Yep. It's deciding the outcome of the game before you have played the game. And this guy does not have a central policy that that will power him past Trump. He does not excite Democrats. This is important. It matters. Enthusiasm matters. He does not excite. Nobody is excited to vote for Joe Biden. No, not even people who genuinely like Joe Biden. And Dr. Jill Biden. Dr. Jill Biden. Her thing was not like. It was an unendorsement. My guy's better than the others, even though he's not the best. If you have to swallow a pill, then just swallow it. Nah, I don't no, want to. No. Like, and not this early. And and don't tell me this 435 days from Election Day that I'm going to have to, like, make a decision that I don't want to make. Because if you remember that, people did that in 2016. It didn't turn out well for us. No, that's right. We voted for Hillary because she was seemingly the most electable. She was effective. Right. That's what she was all about. This is what Joe is selling. I'm effective and electable. But what are you about? I don't really know. I don't we- like it. 
What we know is that Joe Biden, as we said in our, our episode. That changed America. That changed America. You know, Joe Biden is running on nostalgia. Mm-hmm. He is running on being a security blanket. Mm-hmm. He is running on bringing us back to the days pre-Trump. The problem with that is, A, he's never going to be able to bring us to a time pre-Trump because I think that our politics are altered forever yeah. uh, because of Trump and Trumpism. That's number one. Two, Joe Biden doesn't even recognize the faults of the past to understand that nostalgia is not something that most Americans want and or rely on. And then the third point is that I believe that because Trump has moved us so far right, so far like off a meteoric scale, that like people want a progressive. They are not afraid of big, bold change because guess what? Donald Trump ushered in big, bold change. He did. Right? He He ushered in big, bold change. It was not incremental. And so I believe that people are running towards Warren because she has great policies and because Bernie, because he has big, bold ideas, because they want something drastically different. I don't know why Kamala Harris is getting left out of the stampede to the top, but... According to the Monmouth, she... um, is still at 8%, unchanged mm. from where she was in June. So she didn't backslide, but, but she's, she, not she's not gaining. And I don't I don't understand why either. But Joe Biden is not some great, polished candidate. He does not seem like a professional. He does not seem like somebody who's run twice before and figured it out. What was this crazy talk about Obama getting assassinated? I swear to God. What? You know, his team has lessened the amount of events that he's doing. They are not big events. That you know, doesn't everywhere sound like Elizabeth a leader. Warren and Bernie is going, there are tens of thousands, you know, there are like 10, 12, 15,000 people that are there. They are lessening the amount of events because this past weekend, Joe Biden once again starts talking all crazy about being in high school and when MLK and and JFK were assassinated within weeks of each other. For some reason, he thought that that happened in the late 70s. <laughs> Just for those history buffs out there, that didn't happen then. No, it didn't. Not even close, nope. not even within the ballpark. No. Nope. And then wants to invoke this horrible imagery of the possibility of what would have happened to America if Barack Obama had been assassinated. What? And I'm like... no. Brother, don't you know that white nationalism is on the rise, that we already arrested three other white men that wanted to shoot up a whole bunch of places last week? Don't talk to us about the possibility. Don't even put that word in your mouth. No, we got hate crimes all over the place. We have already been through the thought experiment of, oh, my God, we love this man. He's so inspiring. What if some crazy white person shoots him? We know this. We We don't want to hear about it. Why are you talking? Joe is gaff-tastic. And, you know, he 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 cannot help himself. And this is what I realized. No amount of training. Right. No amount of prep is going to get him out of this space that he has created for himself. If you are several months outside of Iowa and your team is lessening your events to protect you from you. Yes. That does not seem to me to be somebody who is most likely to beat Trump. No, it seems like somebody who is most likely to get beat, get smacked, look like a fool, look old, blubbering. I want the Democratic Party to wake up, and I think we are, 
this Monmouth poll to get out of the f- everybody's number one goal is beating Trump. Yes. Shared, same, hundred percent. But within that, a lot of voters are are being paralyzed by this fear of okay, so that means that we have to do the safest thing possible. Kind of like when you're playing sports and it's close and it's dwindling, and so your muscles freeze up and you try to do the simplest, safest thing rather than relaxing and mm-hmm. playing the game that you have been playing that's gotten you to within one yes. point of the lead with 10 seconds to go. And Talk about if it. we are paralyzed and thinking we have to nominate a white guy who's been around for a long time, that is a recipe for losing rather than somebody who is exciting who is perhaps a breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. who is brilliant mm-hmm. and straight out of Harvard. Something <laughs> like that sounds much more interesting. Sounds like a winner to me. Something that rhymes with Soren <laughs> could possibly be that person. I can be found on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. I can be found on Twitter at D2Cents, also on the gram by the same name. You can also check out all my writing, all my stuff out in the universe. All my writing, all All my my stuff. stuff. I'm out here talking. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. We'll be here next week. Fantastic.